Well, good morning again. If you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. We want to continue this message we began last week, five T's to killing the giant. Looking at that familiar story of David and Goliath. And 1 Samuel 17, and let's go to verse 41. Let's just jump to verse 41, and we'll read from 41 on down a little bit. And the Bible says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said, David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But David said to the Philistine, It's important how you respond to the things of life. You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. He's the one you've defied, and this day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head, and today I'll give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not with sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. Father, we thank You for this wonderful story, true story, moving story, that encourages our faith but also gives us insights into fighting the battles of faith that we fight each and every day. And we thank You, Lord. Give us ears to hear and Hearts to receive in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Uh, Again, this is part two. So we're gleaning insights and encouragements from David's defeat of Goliath. This familiar story of the young shepherd boy by the name of David um, defeating Goliath, that nine foot nine Philistine champion of war. And for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath had defied the armies of the living God, insulting and mocking the God of Israel and the people of Israel. And David's victory to you and I, as we've said, is, is both it should strengthen us and instruct us for the giants, the storms, the battles that we face in this life. For in this life, a giant of a problem will come our way. No one is exempt. But like David, those that know the Lord can address and advance against it with a courage and a confidence that really separates us from those that don't know the Lord, that don't have what we can call that blessed assurance of the Lord's care and the Lord's strength and the Lord's peace and the Lord's promises. So may we take the sling of God's Word this morning and see our giants fall. Again, our outline from last week is number one, realize your covenant. These are things that David did that sometimes we overlook in this familiar story, receiving the encouragement. But there are certain things that David did not only here, but throughout his life. Things that we see principles of fighting the good fight of faith that I want to know more about what happened. I want to know why it happened and how it happened so I can apply it and I can, uh, I can uh, follow it and pattern my life after it. Number one, he realized He was a man under covenant. Secondly, he remained undercover. Thirdly, he released a positive confession. Number four, he resolved to act in courage. And number five, remember remember the completion of the task. And we might not get that far, but listen folks, Jesus was a finisher. You want to be a finisher in life. Finish the work He's called you to do. Allow His Spirit to finish its work in you. But finish the work. Just don't begin things and quit on things, but have an enduring spirit. Have a spirit that is willing to go the extra mile to faithfully do what God has called you to do. Can you say amen? Now, we said last week, David, number one, he realized his covenant. This is knowing and believing and acting according to what the Bible says concerning our lives and the giants that we face in this life. You see, David realized, David had remembered that he was in covenant with the living God. And friend, that's a powerful thing. When you truly realize what we have in Jesus Christ and what this great salvation means. 
We have a peace that passes understanding. We have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Like the old song says, I've got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. I have something because Jesus lives within and I belong to Him and I'm not of this world. I'm a citizen of another. And I have great and precious promises that belong to me through Jesus Christ. And when I realize that and recognize that, that affects how I face life, how I look at life, how I endure life, Somebody say amen. This is something that affected the way that David thought, the way he acted, the way he angered, the way he praised, the way he spoke, the way he lived. And we also are a covenant people. For like David and Israel, we are chosen by God. We have been redeemed by God. He has set His seal upon us. We are marked as His very own. We are privileged because of Calvary. We have promises because of this salvation. Assurances. Because of the blood of Jesus, we are a people, as Peter said, a people belonging to God. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Now, David, like us, he he understood he was a man under covenant. He understood that his relationship with the living God gave him great and certain promises. He accepted them. He acted upon them. And we also have to recognize what we have in the Lord. And we also must believe and be fully persuaded of Jesus' eternal love and care for those that He has redeemed. We have to believe that His grace is sufficient for every and any occasion, giant setback or storm. We live this life in the confidence we have in our God and in His rich and wonderful promises. Can you say Amen? So that's what David, number one, he realized he was in covenant with God. He understood that. He accepted that. And he acted upon that. And that made him different from the rest of the church. I mean, the rest of the army that was that was there that day. Now, number two, so I'll get that later. Number two, David remained undercover. And again, we touched on this last week. He remained undercover. It is so important. Anyone here, you know, if you're from the north, sometimes you can get stuck and you're giving it all the gas you can and you're just spinning your wheels. Amen? Nothing more frustrates. Oh, Lord. I don't care if you've got four-wheel drive or seven-wheel drive. When it's ice, it's ice. When, you, when it's it, when it's it, I don't care what you have, you, you can... Isn't that right? I mean, you can... Yeah, you can... You can it don't make any difference. I've seen some Christians like that. I mean, they're giving the effort, but they're going nowhere. Nope. No, oh, I lost the laughter there. Like when there's a short circuit somewhere, amen? Now, you know, everyone else in the place has lights. And you're wondering, why can't I get? Oh, flowing good here, flowing good. There's a short circuit somewhere. It's so important to position ourselves for victory and not defeat. The positioning of our faith, of our attitude, of our obedience, of our actions... So that God's grace and blessing can freely flow into our lives. And we said this last time, let's not make it hard for God to bless us. But let's align ourselves with God and His Word and how we live. Making sure, and again, our our simple illustration, making sure there's not a kink in my hose. That there's nothing hindering the flow of God's courage and His wisdom and His grace to flow into my life. Now, like David, he was under proper submission. He positioned himself. Um, the positioning of our lives will determine the flow of God's grace into our lives. Again, as the Bible says, as I humble myself under His mighty hand, I position myself, then He can lift me up in due season. And again, how God resists the proud, but He's attracted and grace flows to the humble. And there's a way that I position my life in my obedience to God, in my submission to God, in my humility as I walk before God and man that allows God to work in my life. It's very hard to do your own thing and then wonder why God doesn't bless you. You should be shocked that He blesses you at all when we live in rebellion and outright craziness. But David, we said this last time, he was under the authority. Number one, he was under cover in his authority, in his assignment, in his anointing, in his authority. David's life was one that knew how to submit to authority. 
this great battle with Goliath, this pivoting point in David's life, this meeting of destiny that's getting ready really to catapult him to the national scene, simply flowed out of him obeying his father to do a seeming, seemingly insignificant task. Uh, uh, this is He's anointed king, and dad's still sending him to bring vittles to, to the, to the um, brothers on the front lines. And we see this throughout David's life, whether it's his father or later on under King Saul. But David knew how to submit to his authority. And it's very hard for God to bless a rebel. It's very hard for God to bless someone that's always blaming their authority for their problems. But one way that I position myself for the grace and the wisdom and the favor and the help of the Lord is by submitting myself under the delegated authority that God has instituted in this life. Can you say amen? But secondly, David was undercover not only with his um, authority, but in his assignment. His assignment, the very simple principle, if I'm not faithful in little, I'm not going to get much more. Amen? And here again, David, he's doing what he was supposed to be doing. Sometimes people are waiting. Why isn't the grace of God flowing? And why isn't God doing this or that? And I always have to ask, are you presently doing what God has called you to do? Some people, when God does something special, I'll get with the program. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You might never get with the program with that attitude. The biblical principle is, whatever my hand finds to do, whatever God puts before me, I need to give that my quality effort. Can you say amen? That way I'm submitting, I'm coming under, I'm doing the thing God has presently called me to do. Whether I think it's insignificant or below me, or I have something grander in mind. And lastly, we talked about David, how he, um, he was undercover in the area of his anointing. Man, you need to know what your slingshot is. And though God doesn't always do it the same way, you'll notice as more you walk with God, there are certain places where your faith is stronger. There are certain promises your faith is firmer. And there are certain ways you know how to go about. Paul wrote about weapons of righteousness on the right and on the left. Weapons, plural. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But man, they're mighty. And after a while, you learn how God, how you can experience God's victory as you walk with God. Some know how to pray through. Others will just praise their way through. Others have a quiet faith. Others say, lock the door behind me and don't unlock that door till I pray through. Others just stand on a promise going on and going on. But God says, know where your anointing lies. Know what your slingshot is. You can't try to be someone else. When God gives you an assignment, when you're facing a giant, you can't just imitate the others. you got to be who you are in the Lord and use the gifts and the faith that He's given you. Can you say amen? Alright, that was last time. Now, number three. David releases a positive confession. Both to King Saul. Saul says, you can't. David says, listen, listen. The Lord, the Lord. The Lord delivered me from here and delivered me from there. And the Lord will. The Lord has and the Lord shall. Glory be to God. I want to declare God has and God will. And then when he stands before Goliath. Goliath, you can talk all you want, belittle me all you want, make fun of me all you want, but i got news for you. You, you might be belittling me, but I serve the great and mighty God, and He will give me the victory like He's always given me. The, and again, we're going to see this. Let's notice, number one, the three victories David experienced in this one day. Three victories. And it's very important now when I'm fighting giants. Number one, there was the victory over his tongue. The victory over his tongue. Brother Shambach, um, he used to tell a story. He'd have an uh, anointing night. He'd anoint everything with oil. And the lady said, I, I got a problem with my tongue. Would you anoint my tongue? He says, I don't got that much oil. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I just never, but he, he, it, it's important. And now don't look at your spouses right now. It's important to get victory over your tongue. Can you say amen? Especially, especially. In times when I'm fighting a giant, and I'm going, to, I'm going to say this more than once, but when we're fighting the giant, when we're facing that, that, that intense battle, giants tend to create an atmosphere that could bring some stress. That if we're not careful, can get some anxiety going. And, and, and it's easy to say what we shouldn't say. Just express our fears instead of our faith. To, to blame this and blame that. Very important that we win the, the victory over our tongue. Win the victory over our tongue. If you would have verse 28. Can you look at verse 28 there? Victory over the tongue. Here's David. And he gets to the battle scene and um, he's bringing um, the victuals and he, he sees his brothers and, and he's going to get um, some information 
about what's going on. And he hears Goliath and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And, and the men say, listen, this guy has been 40 days and 40 nights after us and the king will give special blessings to anyone that takes care of him. But when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger against David. He says, why have you come down here? With whom have you did uh, leave those few sheep in the death? Few sheep. He's just a little, little punk of a younger brother. I know how conceited you are. How wicked your heart is. You just came. Wow. His older brother slams him um, in anger, in accusation. Totally unexpected. Totally uncalled for. It seems as if David's radiant faith became an offense to an older brother. If you remember the story, the chapter earlier, when the great prophet Samuel came to anoint the next king, Eliab was the first one that Jesse brought out. And Samuel immediately thought, this has got to be him. And God said, hang on, hang on. You see, even great prophets, you know, we never stop learning, do we? Here's Samuel. A great prophet. But even he missed it. And God said, hang on, Samuel. I don't judge like you judge. You look at the man's height and his appearance. But God looks at the heart. See, Eliab came out and he looked apart. He looked it on the outside, but God knew he didn't have what it took on the inside. Eliab was tall, but obviously he was not tall enough for the job, nor was he tall enough to be king. But we see here that, number one, David wins the victory over his tongue. This first victory was over his temper and over his tongue. He conquers the natural feeling to retaliate. Come on. Here you are trying to, you know, you're getting stirred of faith. You're getting ready. This is terrible. You're feeling the grieving for God's glory and you're seeing this guy and you ask an innocent question you get blasted. Who do you get blasted? Not by the enemy, but by your brother. And it's easy just to show, hey, just because you didn't, you know, it's easy to get. David conquers the natural feelings to retaliate. Got to watch that. Knowing what to ignore and knowing what to address is very important in spiritual warfare. David controls his speech, watching and harnessing his words, not taking the bait, not losing focus and fighting the wrong thing. It's so important. Again, we talked about this last time. We saw it in the ministry of Jesus. Knowing what to fight and knowing what to forget. Knowing what to ignore and knowing what to address. You know, in the military, they, they usually follow the KISS principle, right? Keep it simple. All right. And, and I'll never forget it. It was brought home to me one time in the military um, where, we're, you know, we're doing the fake battles, doing what we do. And um, I, I saw my first Claymore mine, Claymore mine. And these mines, you know, they're, they're not very big, a little like this. They're kind of a grayish color. And within them are like shotgun pellets. And so you set them up with a string or something where someone, the enemy triggers it. You put them where you think the enemy might be walking on the path, and they trigger it. Oh, shotgun pellets. Well, obviously, you know, you want to make sure you face the right way. So the army, in knowing that, and knowing that not everyone's the brightest that, <laughs> that raises their hand and enlists, um, they simply write on it, this side towards the enemy. Amen. I read that. I said, man, they're going to keep it simple. You can't forget that, right? Now, was an arrow pointing that way? or No, no arrows, no nothing. This side towards the enemy. When you're fighting the giants, you've got to remember who the enemy is and who the enemy isn't. Sometimes you'll see couples, you know they love each other, but they're squabbling with one another. And you want to say, listen, listen, you're not the enemy. I know you're just stressed out. It's the financial giant that you just need to work together and overcome. And it's no time to fight with one another. It was a bad report from the doctor, but you need to lock arms like never before right now. You're on the same team. Don't shoot one another. Shoot the enemy. And it's not always easy. But it's so important that in the face of giants, that we guard our hearts and control our thoughts, and we watch our words. Because again, giants produce a stressful climate or atmosphere that makes it very tempting to express my anger, not my love, my fear, not my faith, my doubt, not my confidence. 
So the first thing we see here, David wins the victory over his tongue. Hey, it would have been so easy for him to get knocked off course. If he would have taken the bait and, and just allowed what his brother's unkind, wrong words, he could have responded to that, started fighting his brother, and Goliath just would have kept on laughing. Goliath would have kept on doing his thing. So it's important that watch, make sure you're fighting the right enemy. But secondly, he had the victory over the flesh. Not only over that tongue, and I've got to watch my tongue. And I've got to make sure if I'm going to use this mouth, I use it for the glory of God. And if I'm going to say something, I'm not going to be critical of the brethren. I'm not going to express my own doubt and unbelief. But I'm going to declare the goodness and the faithfulness and the mightiness of my God. But secondly, he had victory over the flesh. This we see, look at verse 32 and 33. Verse 32 and 33. Because now, remember this, if you're going to uh, fight giants, you need to have thick skin. Giants know how to get under your skin. Giants know how to, if you're not careful. And that's why we see sometimes even believers, it's like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, why? Because they got thin skin. And the enemy knows how to bait. And the enemy knows how to victory over the flesh. David finally gets to the king. Nobody else wanted to fight this giant. Let the kid in. And he says to King Saul, let no one's heart, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And the king says, you're not able, thanks for nothing, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. I mean, you're not able. He's the only one that's got courage. To face this thing. The whole army is fighting. The whole army, they're in their foxholes. Shining their spears. I don't know why they're shining their spears. Nobody wants to use one. But finally, the, the shepherd boy says, Look out. Uh, uh, chill out, king. Rest. I'll take care of this child. My Lord. He's defying the God of Israel. He, his numbers are, his days are numbered. And what's the king? You can't do it. I mean, come on. Now, I thought about it like this. You meet with the king. And this, the enemy can be very subtle. First, he says, you can't do it. You're not able. And then secondly, he says, if you do it, do it this way. I mean, Saul had 40 days to take this giant out. He didn't do nothing. Why don't he just hush? And let God's man do what God's man has to do. First, he gives discouragement and then bad advice. Job's counselors, they come in many shades and flavors. But David, see, he could have been easily offended by this. And a weakened faith could have really been crushed. By this, nobody believes in me. Well, sometimes the only one going to believe in you is God. Then he gets sidetracked. And he could have got sidetracked by proving himself. Some people spend half their life proving themselves to someone that really doesn't matter in the long scheme. Forget trying to prove yourself to those that don't believe and face the right giant, climb the right mountain, and accomplish the right task. Somebody say amen. David just could have got deflated by all this. I mean, here's the king and even he's laughing at you. He could have got discouraged or even worse, he could have taken that wrong counsel and tried to go out there in his armor. David finds something out. It's sad, but it's true that not everyone believes in you. I don't care what someone says. Not everyone believes in you. Not everyone's going to be your cheerleader. That's why the child of God needs to know their God and His Word for themselves. That's why as a Christian there are times we must encourage ourselves in the Lord. We're thankful for a church family. We're thankful for brothers and sisters that are there. But if you walk with God any amount of time, you know there are certain roads you got to walk alone. There are certain night seasons. There's nobody but you and Jesus. In that hour, not everyone's going to be there. They can't be there in their humanness. But the Lord is faithful. And the Lord is present. And the Lord who is willing and mighty to save, He's there. And there has to be this part of your Christian experience where you know how to encourage yourself in God. When you realize maybe not everyone's going to get the Word that God gave me. Or not everyone's going to be there when I'm going through something and I could use a kind word or I could use someone's prayer. But you need to know that the One you serve, He's with you and He's for you. And we need to rehearse His promises and learn how to remind ourselves of those past victories He's given us. Because I want someone to know your God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed what 
He did before, He'll do again. I'm going to rehearse what He's done. I'm going to remind myself of how He brought me through that storm, how He gave me grace to climb that mountain, how He came through that one situation where no one, including myself, thought I was going to make it through. But the same God that brought me through that, He's with me and He's for me. What am I doing? I'm encouraging myself as a fact of the matter is not everyone's going to believe in us. Not everyone's going to be our cheerleader. But God said, if I began the work, I'll complete the work. If I sent you, I'll go with you. If I've chosen you, I will anoint you. And whatever the giant is, I'll give you the grace you need to meet it, greet it, and defeat it. Remember, He's a right now God. Remember, He said, I am a present help. A very present help in time of trouble. Through the thick and thin. In spite of this and in spite of that. Others might walk out, but Jesus, I am here. And if you'll just lean on Me, I'll give you the strength to get through it. If you just look to Me, I'll guide you through the darkness of the night. And David, he had a victor over his tongue, and that's important. Because you can wind up disqualifying yourself just by taking the bait and responding the wrong way to the wrong people. But he had victory over the flesh. Even when they said you can't. Even when they said do it this way. He knew enough that if God before him, none could be against him. He knew enough that if he was going to do it, he had to do it his way. Faith recognizes it's not done in my experiences. It's not done in my own strength. It's done by faith in God, His will, His way. But lastly, finally, he has victory over the giant in this short story here. He has victory. He declares the battle is the Lord's battle. And like David, I want you to know that you can have victory over the giants of life. You can have victory over that fear or over that failure. It doesn't have to be final in your life. He's the God that restores. He's the God that revives. You might have fallen flat and that last giant did a number on you. But I want you to know fear and failure don't have to have the last word in your life. The Lord's a restorer. The Lord's a forgiver. If you come back, God will give you another chance. Thank God He's a God of new beginnings. You can have victory over the giant of besetting sin or that present struggle. Whatever you're facing, if you look to Jesus, He'll give you grace to overcome areas of the flesh that seem to entangle you and seem to have a hold on you. You can walk in the freedom where Christ has set you free. You can enjoy the fullness of life that He says is abundant life because sin no longer will have dominion over you. You can have victory over that giant that has that addiction, whatever it might be, you can even have. And if you're a believer, you do have victory over that last and final giant. That's called death. Last week we declared how Jesus went to the cross of Calvary to take on that giant of death, hell and the grave. How Jesus stretched His arms and shed His blood that the, the giant of sin's curse and sin's penalty and sin's power could be broken off of a hurting humanity. We said He went to the cross. But like David, demons tried to disqualify Him from God's call. His friends and His disciples tried to discourage Him. Don't go to that cross. Even His family tried to get in the way of His divine destiny. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus set His face like a flint. He knew why He had come. He knew His purpose. He knew what God had chosen for Him to do. So thank God He went to the cross. And even on the cross, to the very end of His survival. The crowd said, come on down. Come on down. But even then, Jesus knew, don't take the bait. I've got to finish this thing. I've got to conquer this thing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because Jesus fought the right battle. Because Jesus endured to the very end. You and I have victory this day over death, over hell, over the grave. We can declare like Paul so many years ago, oh grave, what happened to your power? Oh death, what happened to thy sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah! I'm talking about giants. 
There's a giant of death, hell in the grave. There's a giant of sin and judgment that is over the life of every man and woman. But Jesus Christ, He came as our representative. He came as our substitute. He faced that giant. He went to Calvary's cross and He defeated that giant. And today, as we look to Him and live in Him, we have victory. We can try. Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. Yeah, there's giants. Yeah, there's giants. And sometimes He heals us. Other times He just takes us into glory. That's all right too. Can you say amen? Yeah, giants. Jesus defeated that giant. Ha, ha, ha. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Glory. Whatever you're facing, you can have victory over that giant. You keep looking to Jesus. You keep standing on His Word. You reject the baiting of the enemy. Don't give in to the the negative that your heart wants to speak out, but instead declare your confidence in God and your faith in the living God. It is written, Psalm 34, the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the who? Of the who? Of the righteous, not the backslider. They got enough problems of their own. They got worse than that. But many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them. All. How many? All. Amen. So whatever your giant is, grace that is greater. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that giant is big. Grace is bigger. The giant is bad. Grace is badder. Hey, hey. Life threw me a problem that weighs a thousand pounds. God got grace a thousand and five pounds. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be a child of God? Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to speed this up, but I'm starting to enjoy myself right about now. David's confession. He confessed his confidence in God and he confesses his devotion to God. His confidence in God. His commitment to God. It's important in these times that we declare what we know and firmly believe. That we declare our God is faithful and our God is good. Our God is loving and our God is kind. His mercies endure forever and His faithfulness is great. And we declare... Our commitment to this God. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. Though I don't understand Him, yet will I praise Him. Though it's hard, I know His grace will be sufficient. Many, many, many good confessions in the Word of God. We see these in David. He says, the same God that gave me the bear and the lion, Goliath, you're next. Hallelujah. We see Paul in that prison waiting his execution. But he says, I'm not afraid nor am I ashamed because I know in whom I have believed in and I'm persuaded and I'm convinced that He is able. The, the confessions of men and women of God is not just parroting something we've heard. It's not just mimicking some kind of written thing. But from the heart, we declare our confidence. It's from what we believe flows the assurance of how we will live and what we know about our God and His greatness in our lives. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. I know there should have been a three-part. I can't. Hallelujah. Ah, Lord. Hallelujah. One of the greatest confessions I've ever read in that Scripture. That book of Daniel. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The king says, listen, I'm going to have the musicians play. And when they play, if you don't bow to my idol, you go in the fire. And the whole church, I mean the rest of the nation, they all, they all bowing, they bowing, they bowing, boy, bowing, good, bowing, bowing. Except these three, Shadrach, Meshach, huh? Abednego, woo! Away we go, amen? Then they're standing ramrod straight. You see, there's some areas that you can properly compromise. There's other areas just you can't bend. Loving not their lives even unto... There's some things you can, other things. But they had a beautiful response to the king. Because their confession was one of God's greatness, but also of their commitment, and that's important. They confessed the power and the ability of their God, but they confessed the willingness 
of their devotion to Him. To accept whatever He brings their way. And not stop loving Him, serving Him, and trusting Him. The king says, I kind of like you guys. I'm going to give you another chance. Isn't that nice? He's going to burn them, but give them another chance. Amen. He he says, they're going to play one more time. And if you don't bow, that's it, into the fiery furnace. And they said, well, you can give us five more chances, king. We're not going to bow and and, um, we're not going to burn. And and, um, the king said, who is able, what God is able to deliver you? Life says that a lot. But their response is, number one, our God is able. Oh, let heaven hear it and let hell shudder because of it. Our God is able. Let the backslider hear and respond back to the throne of God's grace. Our God is able. He's able to restore you and revive you. He's able to transform you. Our God is able. Our God is able. There's no doubt about it. Our God is able. Oh, He is able. But even if He doesn't, we will not bow before your false idols. David had a confession. He said, my God has, my God shall, and this is where I'm going to respond. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. I'm just kind of squishing this. Let us hold fast. Hold tightly. Hold firmly. The confession. That's what we said. Of our hope. Without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. Not because we're all that, but He is faithful. Not because because He is faithful. But the word, hold firmly. To the confession, Jesus is my Savior. And I belong to Him. He's a good shepherd. He is faithful and kind and caring. His grace is sufficient. And I'm going to praise Him in the good times and praise Him in the bad. And I'm going to serve Him even if it costs me. And I'm going to continue to witness of His goodness even in my confusion. Let us hold fast, hold firmly the confession of our hope. And your hopes always speak that future confidence and assurance we have. But sometimes we go through things, but my confession declares something better is coming. Something grander is coming. This is not the last chapter. This is not the last page. Oh, blessed be His name. And I'm not going to waver, but I'm going to be firm in declaring the goodness of my God. And my willingness to serve Him regardless of what. For He who promised is faithful. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I, I just, let's, just, well, let's just walk through this. Jimmy, give me my next PowerPoint. Let me just do this. Hallelujah. He resolves to act in courage. Important. Because sooner or later, the talking stops and we've got to face whatever it is we've got to face. Sooner or later, they're going to swing you through those doors. And you're going to walk in, you're going in the ER, you're going into the court, you go sooner or later. And the Bible says how David, in verse 48, he ran towards the enemy. After all the talking was done, then we see the reality. Amen? A lot, a lot are good at talking, but then when reality comes, they're back in the foxhole, the rest of them. Amen? But now David, he ran towards the enemy. He ran towards the enemy. And it's important to know that when the time comes, our God is there and our God is able. And we can respond to that. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And those of us that have come to Him, we get to enjoy the rest of God. This supernatural abiding of God's Spirit in our hearts that enables us to face things that others shudder to face. enables us to go through things that others just fall apart even thinking about. But there is a grace that is sufficient to take us through whatever life throws at us. And it's not on our own strength. It's not because we have some superior willpower, but it's because the grace of the living God that dwells within us, the same Spirit that raised Christ, dwells within me. And He responds in courage. And it's like, it's like this story of um, a family that went... Um, uh, there's a place, Howell Caverns, up upstate New York, and there's Carlbed Caverns up in New Mexico, and they take you down hundreds and hundreds of feet into the ground, into the earth, and you take like these elevators down into the earth, and there's rivers down there, and there's all these caves, and it's really neat, but halfway through, you're on these little boats, these little, no motors, little boats down there. Halfway through, they'll shut out all the lights, just to show how quiet and dark it is. 
And before the days of people flip out their phones, you know, I mean, it was dark. I remember that story of uh, uh, two siblings down there. Dad took them, and, and the little five-year-old girl, she got scared when the lights went out. She began to cry. But her eight-year-old brother was quick to grab her by the arm and said, Shh, don't be afraid. Someone down here knows how to turn on the lights. <laughs> I'm thankful that when we go through the dark paths, our God knows how to turn on the light. I'm glad that He knows how to bring His people through the dark times and the dark paths and the heavy seasons of life. I'm glad for the wonderful promises of God. Be strong and of a good courage. Again and again, how I am with you and I will help you and I will uphold you by my righteous arm. That again and again, the Word of God is an assuring Word and a comforting Word and a Word that we can put our confidence in and hope that He's with us and He leads us. And out of that, it gives me the courage I think I have five more minutes. I want, you, I want to read this for you, for you note takers. Courage of God, the courage of God. Wonderful preacher in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the name of F.B. Meyer. He was from Britain and he pastored churches and he wrote a lot of wonderful devotional books. And he comments on the courage of David. And I think it's important because in this world we need to have courage. We need to have spiritual courage to face things as Christians ought to face them. To go through things like people that know the true and living God. And it's important because our courage is vitally important. You know, fear fear can um, paralyze faith. And fear um, drains us of fight, makes us want to just give up. Fear distorts vision. And we magnify this and we miss that and we um, move in desperation and make bad choices. So again, the Bible, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But courage is something that we need to develop in our lives. And um, Christian courage is something that develops as we walk with God. And F.B. Meyer gave us these, these few thoughts that we'll finish with about the heroic courage of David. And let's apply it to our lives. How, how do we grow in courage? How do we grow with a stronger faith and confidence in God. Now, not to do all this stuff, but just to walk solid and consistent through the ups and downs of a real world and real situation. Where does it come from? F.B. Meyer writes, The heroic courage of David. Number one, it is born in secret and it is nursed in solitude. Real courage. Born in secret. This is the unfailing secret, he writes. There's no shortcut to the life of faith. It's a relationship that has to be developed. He asked, do you have a quiet time? Do you have a quiet time? Because courage comes from knowing God. And that comes from spending time with God. And feeding on His Word. And being a person of prayer. That's what breeds confidence and trust in God. Born in secret. Nursed in solitude. But secondly, it had been exercised and developed. It grew. It was used in lonely conflict. In lonely conflict. We grow behind the scenes. We are prepared in private. What we are in solitude, he says, we shall be in public. We develop faith in private. In our personal walk as we deal with circumstances, overcome temptation, develop spiritual strength and stamina, we grow closer, we develop an ear to hear. Lions and bears were not public battles, but they developed his skill and his faith and his courage. Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus in the garden. They were private victories that led to public triumphs. Number three, David's courage came from the fact that he stood the test of daily life. He stood the test of daily life. That's why those that walk with God can face the giants of life. Because they don't just run to God when a giant shows up. They walk with God. They're consistent with God. And even you don't realize it as you just walk with God. You develop strength and you're exercising spiritual muscle. They stood the test of daily life. We're being tested in life. Faithful and tested in little. David was faithful in little. We're tested in the small, hidden areas of life. Will I stay pure? Will I love the least of them? Will I give 110%? Will I do it for the glory of God? What's my motivation? Am I consistent? Am I dependable? How's my integrity? Stood the test of daily life. Number four, and again, this is old English here. He bore meekly misconstruction and rebuke. Simply, David, his faith was not easily frustrated or knocked off course when people were unkind and people were cruel. 
David had a faith that was not easily melted because someone was rude. He had a thick skin that could keep walking when others said this. Continue on staying focused when others tried to debate him or distract him over here. Because this would not be the last time that David was misunderstood. One time is his own wife is going to laugh at him for worshiping God. And if you can easily caught off because of someone, but he bore misconstruction and rebuke. Jesus was laughed at. Paul was thought to be beside himself. But courage does not crumble and does not just fall apart. It bears offenses. It can put up with these things and stay strong and stay pure. Born in secret, nursed in solitude. Do you have a quiet time? It's exercised, used, developed in lonely conflict. Those small, insignificant things that we say, well, it's a pain in the neck. Maybe it's a test that God's going to use to develop you. Maybe God's going to take you deeper in grace and in patience and in willingness to love and willingness to submit and willingness to do things God's way and wait on God's timing. Stood the test of daily life. You need to see life as a schoolhouse. We'll run here, we'll run there for this seminar, pay this money for this, if we'll just learn to let the Holy Spirit teach us as we walk through life. He's a great teacher. I'm telling you, He's a great teacher. Life's a great schoolhouse. And life will bring up many, many opportunities to expand you and to sharpen you and to process you and to test you. And lastly, lastly, David number five, he withstood, and again, this is old, he withstood the reasonings of the flesh. What's that mean? David recognized. The flesh might say, take a shortcut. The flesh might say, do it this way, it's easier. He understood. If he's going to walk by faith, he has to walk in obedience to the Word of God and the will of God. He can't wear Saul's armor. He's got to do it the way God has told him to do it. He can't, um, let's put it this way, Saul's advice, don't be rash, don't expect too much, use my armor. You're just a boy. But we need to stay in the Spirit. God's ways are not always easy and convenient or popular, but they're the best. Can you say amen? amen. Glory be to God. Faith develops a resistance to withstand common negativity, accusation, discouragement. Faith knows its source is not in the things of this world or the convenient things of a culture. Faith knows its source of victory. Strength is in the Lord. Not earthly strategies and earthly. Faith recognizes the strategy comes from God and the energy comes from God. Faith recognizes its source. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is so easy, and there's a lot of shortcuts, and a lot of excuses, but faith recognizes. True courage stands on God's word and God's will and God's way. Amen. We thank the Lord that He gives us the stories in Scripture, not just for the story's sake, though they're true stories and they encourage our hearts, but that within the stories, there are principles, spiritual principles and instructions that we can learn and we can apply in the here and now. Something that happened thousands of years ago, we can apply to the here and to the now. So we're thankful for that. Amen? We're thankful for that. And so as we say our final prayer and we open the altar, maybe you're here today and you're fighting a battle, you're fighting a giant, regardless of what that giant is. The Lord wants to give you a word to encourage your heart. The Lord wants to remind you that He's with you and He's for you. And you just keep your eyes on Jesus and you keep your confidence in His Word and He'll bring you through that thing. And if you've walked with God, you can look back and remind yourself other things He's brought you through and He was faithful there and He'll be faithful in this time. But let us be a people that remember that we are a covenant people. Let's remember our covenant. Let's stay undercover and make sure we're not making it hard for God to bless us, but we're putting ourselves in position for God's smile to abide on us. Let's have a positive confession. 
Let's not be quick to complain or criticize or just spread our own negativity. But let's, let's declare the truth about the greatness of our God. And let's declare our faithfulness and our commitment to Him. Amen? Go ahead and just say that. And then, and then lastly, let, let's resolve in courage. Let's respond in courage. A courage that comes from knowing that God before us who can be against us. That God is with us. And lastly, we finish the work. David, he hit the giant and he sh- cut off his head. Finish the work. Many people fall back because they didn't finish the work. King Saul, he got disqualified because he didn't finish the work and cut off Agag's head. Remember that? And that was the beginning of his downfall because he didn't finish what God called him to do. He said, good enough. And God says, it's not good enough till I say you're done. So you finish it. Finish the work. Let God finish His work. Stand with me, please. We're going to open these altars. And if you need prayer, you just want to come and pray. As we begin to worship the Lord, please come. Someone will pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you're sick or maybe you just need encouragement today. Someone will be more than happy to pray with you and believe God for you. Or maybe you just want to come and seek the Lord. We've got these altars. that You can just come and talk with God. And you can just come and believe and just come and ask God for fresh grace for a new week. And we just thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. Giants come. But by the grace of our God, He gives us what we need to face and overcome them. Father, we thank You that Your grace is sufficient. We thank You for the encouragement and the instruction of Your Word. David was a giant killer. And Lord, may we learn lessons from his life for our fight of faith. Lord, help us to just put our confidence in You and be completely certain You're in control and we are in Your care. And that whatever we have to face, we will not face it alone. And whatever we must endure, Your grace will be sufficient to give us the strength, to give us the wisdom, to give us the help we need to go through it and not be crushed and consumed by it. Now, Father, as we open up these altars, I pray if there's anyone here today and maybe they're out of position, the way they're living, the way they're thinking, the way they're responding to the call of the Spirit, they're out of position. And they need to make some fresh adjustments recalibrating their commitment and their devotion that they might get back in place where the flow of God's grace and favor can be free to work thoroughly in their lives. So Father, I pray if someone's here today and they need to make a fresh surrender, a fresh commitment, that they'll not allow this thing just to pass over, but they'll come and they'll receive a fresh start and a new beginning from the grace of God. But Lord, I just pray for those that are here today for giants come in many shapes and sizes. And that there are people today that are facing things that are hard and heavy. That as they look to you in confidence, they will also come that they can receive prayer from the brethren. That there could be the prayer of agreement, believing one with another for complete victory and complete triumph. Now, Father, receive our praise. And we thank you, Lord, for the victories you have given us and the victories you will continue to give those that love you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, let's sing this one time through. And if you need prayer, you want to pray. Now's your time. Come and let the Lord touch you and let God work in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.